Yeah, so where did I ship it for, to you guys? Where did, did you get it? Yeah. Uh, we ordered from your website. Yeah. Did I ship it to Alaska? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if I was thinking that was Alabama. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Choose Recovery is a lifestyle apparel brand. Spreading awareness and hope for addiction recovery. We emphasize following God, rewriting your story, never giving up, making a difference. Bringing hope and awareness from real people. This is the Choose Recovery Podcast. I'll share just a quick rundown of kind of who we are and, and bring us up to speed. And then kind of where we feel like we're going and then how that relates to you guys and hear your story. But basically, I grew up in a, she grew up up here in Alaska and I grew up down in Illinois, suburbs of Chicago. And we both grew up in really stable homes, but more legalistic, uh, religious type backgrounds. Um, but your parents did a really, I mean, my parents are loving parents and stuff too, but I mean, she, her parents did a really good job of helping her know, like, uh, they taught us to like think for ourselves and like know what we believe and why we believe it and not just to follow rules. Yeah. But, but my background really wasn't that much that way. So it, 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 long story short, just created a very legalistic type unsafe environment. And anytime anybody came out with anything public that they struggled with, they were just kicked out, shunned. And so it taught everybody to just look for approval, stay quiet, don't say anything. So I was exposed to pornography when I, that was my addiction when I was in third grade um, and just continued that struggle. Uh, not knowing who to talk to. And in fact, I just got back from a weekend retreat that I got to go on uh, called Pursuing the Hidden Heart with a guy here locally in Alaska that runs it and was able to process my whole story. Kind of like when you work the steps, like step four type thing um, and real take inventory through, they call it a trauma egg type ex uh, experience that we work through and just was reminded of a lot of my, a lot of my stuff and how things started and looking at some of the hurts and stuff in my past, but then not staying there too long, owning uh, the responses of that. So kind of worked through all of that. Um, and, you know, I thought that my porn struggle, masturbation, addiction, all that stuff like together would, would just, uh, now I said the M word, I can't do this is not explicit on the, uh, <laughs> on, on the, uh, the YouTube or the word, but anyway, but, uh, but I thought, you know, getting married, like you would take care of that. You know, I thought going to Bible college, you'd take care of it, going to seminary, getting into the ministry. And obviously newsflash, it doesn't. Um, and not knowing who to reach out to, I had mentioned it to Laura and stuff uh, through even while we were dating, engaged, mm -hmm. and then when we were married and stuff, yeah. but it was super awkward. And you were super amazing to uh, stick with me through that. And she processes her grief and, and pain, you know, in a different way. Um, so it did affect you. I know that. And, but little did, did I know through all of that, getting free from that, that God was, you know, mm -hmm. I was in the details preparing you for what you're doing now today. And we came up here and I was doing stuff, mission work. We were together out in a village, an Eskimo village, a ton of addiction out there. God was just showing all of the, the needs out there and everything. And we thought we were going to spend our lives out there. But God brought us back to this town, Soldatna, which is on the road system. The villages are out off the road system, have to fly there. 
Um, so this is just like anywhere else, civilization, we have stores and everything like that, whereas the villages are a lot different. But um, anyway, I was on staff at a church here and God called us out to do what we're doing now. And I, I started a church a couple of years ago called Acts 2.47 after that scripture, Acts chapter 2, verse 47, Recovery Church. Uh, and then I also was on staff. What's, and staff. Church there? What's that? Oh, it's called Acts 2.47? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What does the verse say? What's that? What's the verse say? Yeah, it's, it's the one at the very end of that whole section about the early church, and it says that God gave them favor, um, and he added to the number daily those that are being saved. And it's really just the culmination of that whole passage of living life in community and seeing God continue to just do his thing among his people as they live that way. So uh, there's one in Anchorage, and so we started under them launched out from the church down. I mean, I kind of left the church down here and and then with them, they helped us start. And at the same time, I came on staff at Freedom House, which is a sober transition ministry home here uh, and still on staff with them to this day. And so now it's just really cool. I've got to expanded my horizons from a, a pornography addiction to help work with folks in all sorts of pre predominantly, you know, substance abuse uh, backgrounds and stuff. So. Uh, it's amazing. The three years I've been at Freedom House and, and uh, two and a half since we started the Recovery Church, just seeing what God has done. And then two years ago is when we started the journey to start Choose Recovery on the side. Um, and my heart for that is just to go national, worldwide even, to spread awareness for recovery. Just as I see what he's done in my own life, and then as I've seen all these crazy miracles in everybody else's lives, I'm like, we've got to spread awareness to what God is doing, what he's able to do, and also kind of awaken the church is a part of my goal to see that all of us need to play a part together to engage like Jesus does in um, those that are struggling out there. Uh, and I, 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 we get this mentality, I mean, you guys too will hear your story and hear, you know, about recovery church type stuff, but like, that's for them to do because you specialize in that. And it's like, I get that and, and we love doing what we do, but I really want to equip more people to be able to get in the trenches um, and help folks find recovery in Jesus and stuff. So the other piece, and, and then I'll shut up, um, is with your uh, bake shop. So at the same time we started Choose Recovery, Laura had on her heart to do a bake shop for a long time. So that's what you're doing now out of the house. Bake or bait? Bake. Bake. Like bakery. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, we started about the same time. We actually came up with the ideas at the exact same time in the kind of same conversation. Um, and like my vision for the bake shop, um, even so, starting at the beginning, I've enjoyed baking forever. It's always been like kind of more of a like hobby, stress reliever kind of deal. And um, then kind of this vision, this desire to grow it into something. Um, and even with the name Fireweed, um, Fireweed grows everywhere up here. It's one of our predominant wildflowers. Um, but we were struggling like what do we call this bake shop what do we do and then i happened to be driving to anchorage with a friend of ours 
through an area that was totally had been burnt out by forest fire the previous year. And it was just ablaze with fireweed everywhere. And so that kind of started the thought process. And then as I looked into what fireweed actually does and why it's named that, it's named because it's the first thing that comes and brings new life after a fire comes through. So it totally regenerates the soil, allowing new growth. It sends out, each plant can send out up to 80,000 seeds a year. You know, and just totally starting that new life. And yeah. so that's where the thought of the fireweed bake shop came from, was more of that, yes, it's this pretty flower, everyone up here recognizes it, but it's that thought of it's bringing new life to this area that has totally been destroyed, scarred, burnt, which is where a lot of our lives all start out. You know, and so that fireweed is that catalyst for the regeneration, for the new growth. That's beautiful. Um, it really that. is. Man, talk about an Easter message. Yeah. Dang, I made Easter. <laughs> I was just like, you want to put that in your sermon? <laughs> there you go. And that's what we want to do is eventually help employ people. Kind of like you, that's what attracted us to what you guys are doing yeah. at the coffee shop down there yeah. uh, with the bake shop here and stuff. And then oh. and on the choose recovery side of stuff too, we've had, you see on the brand and stuff, friends of ours that help with that and make all that possible. It's sweet to have their stories and just trying to share stories through everything we're doing. But yep. so for you guys, so Derek and Laura, we introduced ourselves earlier. Uh, I haven't even told you your guys' names. Ryan, right? Is your full name? Like, yeah. Cause yeah. you said you guys go by like Ryan in the message or whatever you said. Something about Ryan. Anyway, Ryan, your name is? Tammy. Tammy. Yeah. Yep. So I would, Hey, I would just start by saying this. What a gift it is. I, I, I did not do my research before jumping on this podcast. He's, he's not the social media guy, so I'm the one. I'm the one texting y'all. I I'm thought y'all were just in the yeah. So I didn't. I didn't know you were Christians. I didn't know you were involved in a church. I just thought you were people in recovery and started this cool thing with t-shirts and yoga pants. I just and, tell him to show up. He's like, okay. <laughs> so. Okay. So That's cool. Awesome. That, yeah. What a great connection. I love I, and I love connecting with people, especially couples, uh, who step out and do new things together because mm -hmm. I think it's such a good life and uh, man to step out and do the risky thing and leave the thing that's comfortable yeah and I love it I love connecting with y'all so uh, Derek first of all where'd you go to where'd you do your bible degree uh so it's a little school in uh Wisconsin called Maranatha Baptist University, University now um okay. so it's just from from my background of churches I was raised in and stuff it was one of those schools that a lot of people went to Where'd you do seminary? Same place. So uh, I asked that because we have a very similar background too. I grew up evangelical, non-denominational Baptist. Uh, I went to a small Bible school up in, there's one in Michigan, one in Wisconsin. It's called New Tribes Bible Institute, where they teach you how to go save the lost tribes. And um, Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I did, my brother died during that time. He was He was an addict, alcoholic. He got clean and sober, then relapsed and died in that car accident. Um, but it made me, it, it allowed me, it opened my heart to ask all the questions I was never allowed to ask. And Laura, when you were talking about your parents, so my parents really encouraged me to ask questions and ask questions of the faith, mm -hmm. but the religious culture that I was in didn't allow it, right? I grew up in mid-Missouri conservative culture. Um, and so once I left that Bible school and went into a college and seminary, my world was just expanding and exploding. And I was asking all sorts of questions and 
anyway, just thought I'd give you a little bit of that background. We share similar, and, and Tammy does too, actually. Yeah, we've been together for, for a minute. Mm -hmm. uh, we were almost 16 years married, 18 years together. So we've been on this journey. Like We, we met in college, Excellent. and we got married right after college. And there's been... <clears throat> There's been some exploring and conversations and um, anger of trying to figure out like, well, how do I understand this? And he would come home from um, even when he was studying and getting his master's in divinity. And he, we made a pact that he would share with me because I was, I was working at Starbucks and I was supporting the family and I had the insurance. I'm like, you do your thing. That's cool. I'll keep, I'll keep working and managing my store, but you have to come home and you have to tell me what you learned. So he would come home and, and divulge the things that he learned in class. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. And so we would get into these and him too, like heated arguments about understanding the scripture and things differently and helping it make sense and exploring it. Cause like you said, we were never really taught to question it. It just is, this is what it says. What's the saying? What is the Bible that? says that I believe it. That settles That's it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, we start like thinking a little bit more about what you're doing and what you're reading, it turned, my world, it turned our world upside down for a bit. So yeah, it was a long, it was a long journey. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the best thing that Ryan said is it's an opening up. And it's funny, I was talking to my five-year-old today because he's, I told him to watch VeggieTales and he's like, I'm good. I, I'm too smart for that. And I was like, huh, <laughs> well, that's interesting because I'm not too smart for VeggieTales. And if you open yourself up to hear something or read the Bible differently or listen to new friends share their story you learn something new but you have to be open to hearing it and hearing a message maybe in a new fresh way so interesting yeah. very yeah. similar yeah it is yeah. we've been together for uh wait 2005 so six, 16 married. years coming yeah. up but we were together for four years before that yeah and got married for 20 years i got married right after college so similar and all that and i was actually born in missouri had a lot of family down there too where missouri Little town called DeSoto, south of St. Louis, and then down in Springfield. All right. I lived in Springfield for a while. I grew up in uh, some in St. Louis and then some in uh, Lake of the Ozarks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We spent a ton of time down in Branson growing up. So Yeah, we did too. Silver Dollar City, you know, all that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah small world. So, yeah, so that's so – I heard part of your guys' story. Like, what, what led you guys – like your recovery background and then like to what you're doing today. Yeah. So want me to start? That's your, uh, I'll give you, I'll give you the, the short version of my, um, my recovery story. Uh, so I guess I should start with what it was like. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I, I said this last week, I always say this in a podcast or when I'm sharing with my community, there's nothing sexy about my story in the sense of, I didn't, um, I wasn't like a drunk and then I got sober and then I become a, became a pastor. I did it in reverse order. I was a pastor, uh, um, and I was a drunk pastor and I hated myself. I was filled with shame and I was scared. I created a lot of chaos and I could not figure out why I couldn't put down a drink. Uh, I wasn't supposed to be the alcoholic. That was my brother. My brother was the alcoholic. I was the good Christian kid you know, leader in a youth group, went to Bible schools, uh, did biblical studies. Um, and the short way of how I describe all this is lots and lots of grace. God's grace was with me the whole time. Even when I was holding God at a distance, God was with me. God was guiding me, uh, persuading me. Um, 
So, you know, um, I right out of seminary, when I went to college, my drinking career started to pick up. I got a DUI, went to seminary. Um, my drinking career really started to pick up in seminary. That's how I really learned how to uh, do everything uh, with, with a bottle in my hand. And um, then I got up, you know, I started uh, campus ministry work at the University of Denver. And then I did that for a couple of years during seminary and right out of seminary. And then I was appointed. I'm a United Methodist pastor, uh, ordained United Methodist um, elder. And so I was appointed to a local church. And man, I, like I said, I couldn't figure out why, why can't I stop drinking? And I was losing everything that was important to me. I was destroying my family. Uh, our daughter was two years old. We have four kids. So we just had one daughter at the time. And I got sober when she was, what, two and a half. Tammy was actually nine months pregnant with our second daughter. But, uh, you know, Tammy tells me stories of Selah hitting me on the head, trying to wake me up off, off the couch. Uh, friends were scared. Family was scared. I was starting to get phone calls and, and conversations from people saying, what's wrong with you? Are you okay? You're, 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 you're going down a path. And, you're not welcome at my house anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, I haven't told that story in a while. It was, um, it was Christmas Day, 2012. Uh, I got sober January 7th, 2013. So this was a couple weeks before that. Um, Christmas Day, we were up at my sister's house. And she has kids, similar ages to our kids now. Um, but I started to drink like I would. And things started to go south like they so often did. And um, later that night on Christmas Day, my sister pulled me outside on the porch as we were getting ready to leave. And um, she said, listen, Ryan, I, I don't want you coming around anymore. I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean you don't want me, Pastor Ryan, don't want me coming around? I just preached at five different worship services yesterday. What do you mean you don't want me around here? She said, you're always drunk and I don't want my kids to see you this way. And man, it was like this gut shot to me. It was like, um, again, filled me with shame. I hated who I was and I didn't know how to stop. And I, I tried to change you know, I gave up liquor for beer, beer for wine. I traded white liquor for brown liquor, brown liquor for white liquor. Nothing worked um, until finally January 7th. You know, that's what I, you know, that's the day God gave me what we call the gift of desperation. And uh, it was early in the morning. I was passed out on the couch again, like I was most nights, early mornings. And Tammy came down the stairs. Sorry, she's in the background helping our little five-year-old. He's putting in uh, I'm sorry. The life of kids that we get to be a part of, sober. Um, she came down the stairs and she was holding an empty vodka bottle because it always ends with vodka, right? I mean, that's, that's the story of many, many alcoholics. Um, I thought I'd hidden that bottle well enough. I had bottles hidden all over the house in the sock drawer, my coat pockets, wherever it was. I mean, I have bottles everywhere. And uh, she came down that the stairs this, that morning, and she was completely broken. And she, uh, with tears in her eyes, said, Ryan, what are we going to do? And I knew in that moment, um, you know, she might have said that a, th a thousand other times before. She would always ask me, why do you drink so much? What's wrong with you? Why can't you stop drinking? Why, why did you drink that much last night? But when she said that that morning, it was, um, it showed me that I wasn't alone. And we were going to walk this together. And somehow in, in a divine, mysterious way, it filled me with hope in my most broken, fearful moment. 
And uh, that was the first day of, of new life for me, January 7th. Wasn't easy, man. It wasn't like you stop drinking, then life is back to normal. New life, what I've learned, takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of engagement. It takes a lot of reaching out for help. It takes a lot of encountering of the God who is doing for me what I could never, ever do for myself. And that God is still at work in my life, doing for me what I could never do for myself. And so, um, you know, I was a pastor at the time. I was a, uh, I moved into lead pastor. One of the, we had a lead clergy team and I stayed there for a total of seven and a half years. And about three years into my recovery, I uh, opened up to my congregation. I was open with my, um, with my clergy colleagues, my uh, DS. I was open with those people, uh, but I hadn't shared that with my congregation. But on that Sunday morning with the guidance of friends and mentors, a sponsor, um, I shared with my congregation that I was an alcoholic in recovery. And it was, it was that moment of, I was nervous. I was scared. Are they going to turn on me? What are they going to say? And they were so incredibly gracious. Um, they surrounded us with love. And what stands out more is I got home that afternoon and by Monday morning, my e email box was flooded from people in the community saying, thank you for sharing your story. How'd you do it? How'd you put down a bottle? I can't get away from it. My son or daughter, they, they're addicted to pills. My, uh, my dad is a drunk. How, where, where are the resources? That started, I met with people from, from that day forward. I've just kept meeting with people for several months, even, even a couple of years. But it put in us the, the moral imagination to say, what if we started a community for addicts and loved ones of addicts and what we now call spiritual refugees, those people who feel like they've been kicked out of the church, they don't belong with God, they've been told to stay, clean up your life first, then come, you know that story. Mm -hmm. And so it was just uh, 2018, summer of 2018. We had that vision in April of 2018. By June, uh, I was still one of the lead pastors at the church, but we just started opening up our backyard to say, Who's interested in this conversation? And people came. We were just going to do a four-week session. We called it Recovery for Everyone. Recovery for Everyone. And after the four weeks, people were like, all right, so what's next week? And we were like, oh, oh. we didn't think about it next week. This was just a four-week <laughs> thing. And it was really clear. We've got to keep going. In fact, the, the, the first week we started, uh, a guy, we, had a, we had a leadership team. And one of the guys on, on our leadership team, his name was Nick. Um, I was also Nick's sponsor. That week before we started, he uh, overdosed and died with a needle in his arm, heroin overdose. 20, 22 years old? 22 years old. 21 years old. 22, I thought. 22? I get it confused. Um, but it was one of those really poignant moments of, yeah, well, this is important work. And what we're seeing now, now two years into this thing, um, now that we've got our own space and we went, we, we took August off. So we started that in June, did four weeks, took, I guess, July off. No, we went, no. we went through July. We took some oh, August we, off. We took yeah. August off and then starting in October, we went full time every single week. And I was still uh, a pastor at, at, at the church where I was at. Um, and then in 2020. So he would preach on Saturday nights at free. 
and then get up and go on Sunday and preach on Sunday. And he did that for a year and a half for a while. And it was like kicking our butts. We were tired, but so um, we do call this community free, free spiritual community. We call it free because all the things that set us free, uh, compassion, love, grace, forgiveness. These are the things that are so freely given by God. And what I love about this community is, um, these aren't just a bunch of church people. These are primarily people who don't have church experience. And it's kind of like they're giving, they're giving the God stuff one more chance. Like, Hey, we, we don't dig church. Well, those are the places we get kicked out of, or we get shoved in the basement in those places for our meetings. Yeah. Um, but we're going to give this one more shot. And so it's this uh, incredible opportunity we have to say, yeah, there's a God of grace who actually doesn't hate you. There's a God of grace and love who's waiting for us to come home. And this God greets us with open arms. Luke chapter 15, that's a foundational story in our, in our community. It's the story of the prodigal son. Um, and so, man, I just, <laughs> that's why when y'all are talking about stepping out and doing a new thing, we know, I'm speaking for both of us here, then, then you take over, but the fear that comes with the trembling, the, the sweaty palms, the turned upside down stomach of, Ooh, can we step out of this thing that's that we know and that we're comfortable with? And there's like some uh, a, a solid paycheck and insurance and, and all the things we like. And can we step into this new thing? And I think what I would say is um, the only thing worse than doing it is not doing it. Um, and we found so much joy along the way. Still to this day, we find joy in what we're doing. Uh, and it, we get to create something along the way, keep creating together. Um, man, it's been awesome. Well, and I it's think that's good. what we've learned is when God is driving, if you will, like the doors are just opening and there's energy. I've had a lot of no's in my life and I've, I've actually called some of those stints, my seasons of no's, my two years of no's, um, that I've talked through before that I, I feel like I'm just banging my head on the wall. Like, bah, I keep trying and I'm going nowhere. Uh, I feel like God is so deeply involved in this process and, and free and, and what we're doing here that when I'm like, oh my gosh, is this going to work? Ryan's like, just open your hands, Tammy, just open your hands. And then it's like the energy is just like pushing it forward. And I'm like, I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> and then the energy just flows. It's like, okay, I'm just going to show up. And then I'm going to show up again tomorrow and keep showing up. And it's like, God keeps providing yeah. And it's like, the more you practice that, the more you kind of trust in it. Like, yeah, we've been here before. Yeah, we don't know where that money is going to come from, but we, we, we've been here before. Yeah. This is part of it. Yeah. We're scared. Um, we can do this. We're, we're, we're going to keep putting one step in front of the other. Uh, but coffee has always been. So uh, I got sober through 12 step recovery uh, through uh, I'll just say it on this podcast through Alcoholics Anonymous, still an active member, sober, active member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I have a sponsor. I sponsor other people. But what I what we've learned is in the recovery movement, coffee is a big thing. Right? Yeah. Coffee <laughs> needed. And I, I mean, we drink a lot of coffee, but so do my sober brothers and sisters. All of them do. So <laughs> tell them tell them how coffee just started in our backyard. And now it's exploded it's it's beautiful it's my background it's my story so i bring almost 20 years of experience of coffee to the table and when I, when we say passion like yes i love coffee and, and coffee is really important to me but the people behind the bean and the face of the bean and the stories and the why 
is really important to me too. So we get to know the farmers, we get to know the people that bring coffee to us. And that's really important. So, you know, when Ryan came home from his first meeting, he's like, Tammy, they actually made me make the coffee at the recovery meeting. I was like, that's interesting. Cause I was making coffee all day and training people on how to make coffee. But apparently they drink a lot of coffee in the rooms. And, you know, Ryan said something that day that uh, he's like, these people in these rooms, they know that service keeps them sober. And so that's something I kind of, I locked in my brain, you know, I guess for six years before we started free, because he was going to meetings for six years before free, the idea of free came to fruition. Uh, so when we decided to start free, I was like, well, coffee has to be something we provide. Um, it's a no brainer because those are, that's at the meetings and it's what I know and it's how I can serve. And, and how churches I can do get coffee back. too, right? And churches I mean, do coffee too. Yeah. more emerge. Yeah. Wagon coffee's coffee is maybe a little bit better than the church. 100 coffee. times better. <laughs> just call it what it is. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. So yes, I was like, okay, so we're going to do, we're going to do coffee. And like anything, it starts small. And you see where it goes and how it evolved. So we started roasting coffee out of our, we, we piped it out our back door of our house here. And we did that for two years and we, we did pretty good. And all the sales, hundred percent of the sales. So like I said, that was my way of giving back um, my way of serving and, and using my gifts was to provide the coffee back to free. So we did that for two years. The roaster was about the size of our cell phone. All right. It would do like three beans at a time. So oh it was gosh. going constantly. Yeah. We burned out three <laughs> motors on them. We got three new machines because it would produce six ounces after roast um, at a time. So it'd take an hour and a half to roast one pound of coffee. So we had a couple going at Christmas time at the same time, <laughs> but we did, we did well. And we had propositions on the table of people saying, Tammy, we love your coffee. We love the cause. Uh, and we want to promote it. We want to help you get the word out. We want to help um, Wagon Coffee get, get off the ground. So we decided, to, I decided to commercialize Wagon Coffee and uh, make it available on e-commerce so that we can spread. What is e-commerce? It's I'm online. So, so it's on just online web shop that people can buy anywhere. Yeah. Get online and buy. You don't have to be in Colorado, which is how we started. Um, when we were doing it under the Colorado Food Cottage Act, it was just Colorado. So when I was like, okay, we're commercializing it and putting it online so that we can send it outside of state lines uh, and get the word out about what we're doing. And not only that, but recovery. And for Wagon, you know, it was really important to say the proceeds aren't just going back to the bottom line. The proceeds for Wagon Coffee go back to women in recovery. So we are employing women in recovery, which is a, the really big wow the really big why of why drink it why why switch from Folgers why switch from Maxwell House or whatever people are drinking why switch from Starbucks well because actually it doesn't just benefit you doesn't just benefit me I know it benefits like I need a caffeine kick in the morning but when I'm drinking the coffee when you guys are sitting there drinking the coffee it's going back full circle to impact women's lives to provide them jobs and resources and structure and skills um, it's going back to small lot farmers, not big corporate farms that already have money coming in, but small lot farmers so they can support their family and pay their bills with livable, workable wages. And our roaster is really special. It's zero emissions. So uh, it's, we're cutting edge on, on that front too. So it's eco-friendly and it's, it's really good for the environment. So there's this big trifecta of why it's important, but our hearts are with the story of recovery. And that's why we're here and that's why we do what we do.
Sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, I love it. So you guys do like, do you do free at or recovery groups or anything like celebrate recovery, that sort of thing, like at the coffee shop stuff or AA meetings or anything like that? So, so free spiritual community is the big umbrella. Um, so, so you could think of that as, as the building. Yeah. The building, the church. Some people would say, I, I hesitate to call it a church because some people are like, this isn't a church. This, this is my home. This isn't church. I would never go to church. This is, and I'm like, you know what? Call it what you want. If it's impacting your life, transforming your, if you're encountering God along the way, I don't care what you call it. Um, but free spiritual community, you can think of as the big umbrella wagon coffee uh, is hosted out of free. So she literally has space at free with the, with the, with the roaster and roast coffee and does all her operations there. Uh, and then inside of free, we only, um, we only have wagon coffee. So we've contracted with her that, uh, we will only, what's the word I'm looking for? Serve wagon coffee? Serve, serve wagon coffee to the 12 step meeting. Yes. So all the meetings that yes, we do host and have it at free. And we have more than just 12 wagon. step meetings. We have all sorts of meetings throughout the week. We have several 12 step meetings, especially if we go back to pre pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, but all kinds of meetings, wagon coffee is served exclusively. exclusively. Yes. That's the word I was yeah. looking for. Nice. <laughs> It's funny when you've been together that long that you mm-hmm. kind of figure out the other person's word, I guess. Right. <laughs> you all know. <laughs> yeah, that's really sweet hearing that because that's really like our big vision of where we feel like we want to get to that point. Um, and that's mm-hmm. why when I found you guys, just I don't even know how I found like Instagram, just scrolling through, fine. But uh, um, it's just a lot of everything I've seen already and then hearing your, your fuller backstory just resonates so strongly. Like I want to get on a plane and come hang out with you guys. <laughs> um, it. Come on. House. Yes. <laughs> I'd love for you to see it. And that's, that's the thing, like to see it and see the operations granted they're different during COVID, but we're like, we're still doing meetings. We still have this morning. We had a nine 30 to 10 30 meeting. We do it daily. Um, I did coffee tasting with somebody this morning and it's just, it's just a good, atmosphere so and I, I think i would add this too so technically right now we are not a coffee shop it is just a roastery wagon coffee roasters okay uh, so it's just a roastery we are we've outgrown our space where we currently are so we went from our backyard to this other space we outgrew it we were moving pre-pandemic the pandemic hit we put everything on hold but we've slammed on the gas again we're, we're moving uh so in our new space we will have a fully functioning daily operating cafe not just coffee makers yeah lattes we're going to get into the latte business Um, (laughs) but uh fully functioning cafe that's all day because what we know in the recovery community is people want to and it's not just recovery it's 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 we want to refer to this as wholeness and healing in the broader sense too not just not just with 12-step recovery uh so to give people a place to hang out during the day, to give a cafe for sponsors and sponsees to meet, for uh, communities to gather together, business to happen. Um, we want to create that space. It's big in our mission to create space for healing, recovery, and spiritual connection. So we want to expand that. Yeah, that's sweet. And then you mentioned at the outset, I don't know if I was recording at that point, but just riding this wave right now of, of, of uh getting interviewed and different things you guys are on recovery today and like different news outlets and stuff like that um that's pretty cool what how did that happen just god just opening the floodgates for you guys to just share more about the vision and just sort of momentum I wish it was that easy 
it's been a lot of brand awareness. Um, a lot of, of my time and energy during the day is sharing what we're doing. Um, and, and the, the beautiful thing is we do it together. So I can't share the story of wagon without free and free could talk about, you know, what they do without wagon, but then people want to know if there's coffee. So we truly are like this integrated, um, unit. And so when I would share, so say I sent an email to recovery today magazine and it took a couple of months for them to get back to me, but then I sent him some coffee. He tried it. And then we got talking and telling him about wagon, but then, inadvertently I start talking about free because that's where yeah. we hold our meetings. That's who we are. It's, it's what we created. And then they're like, well, hold on a second. So what's free? So it's just such a beautiful thing mm-hmm. as we move forward and we, I'm pitching about wagon coffee to sober homes and recovery homes to say, Hey, do you want to have wholesale wagon coffee? And then they come and pick it up and they're like, hold on a second. What, this is free. What's this? I'm like, well, let me tell you about that. And then it's just this whole cycle that continues to, you know, go around because yeah, they're integrated yeah. so tightly. Um, and then people aren't just getting the service of coffee. They're getting the service of a spiritual need met that they didn't maybe even know that they had. So, you know, and I would add this to, um, in my experience, it, it's always a mixture of like, uh, God's calling and God's grace and hard work, right? Like you get called, you take a step, you hear God's voice, you take a step. I mean, the year we started free. So going back to 2018, that year I did six funerals uh, of people who died of uh, drug and alcohol overdose or drug and alcohol related. And they were all under the age of 40, uh, except one of them. And so it was like this, it was this kind of moment of, what do we need to do? What, what do we do here? Um, something has happened. Our community is sick. People are dying. We have this kind of, and we're in the suburbs of Denver. We're a fluent suburb called Highlands Ranch. We were just named the heroin capital of Colorado. Uh, and we're also named, interestingly enough, a 10-mile radius of here is uh, the world capital of, of active shooters, Jeez. which I just reread that yeah. again a couple of days ago. Um, so there's a sickness going around. And, and I, I believe God always calls us to like the places of suffering. God does God's best work in graveyards where people are dead and dying and um So you move to those places, but it's not just you get called and do nothing. I mean, you you guys know this, starting your your all's own new things. It takes a, you're busting your butt along the way. You're hustling. Mm -hmm. People that say, when you step into the thing you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Oh my goodness, give me a break. You work (laughs) harder. It's just a lot more rewarding. You go to bed feeling fulfilled and with joy. Mm-hmm. Um, so when people say, oh, man, and people say this to Tammy and I all the time, man, it's just like things happen for you guys. Well, yeah, but you don't see all the things we're doing behind the scenes and the networking, and she's constantly reaching out to people on social. Um, so it's just like it's God's voice, God's grace, God's calling. But you guys and a know step. that that connection leads to them knowing a connection. You know, like recovery mm-hmm. today was like, hey guys, I know this person in Colorado Springs and then boom, connection. So it, it truly is. Um, what I've learned too is you have to have people. Uh, you have to have connections. And I can't go and like, I'm going to show up at Wagon and I'm going to do it all by myself today. Uh-uh. I have so many people, you know, that are alongside me, standing beside me, um, helping and giving their voice and giving their experience and um, their expertise that I can trust and call on. So we do it together. Yeah, and everything we see 
through through uh, you know you guys call it free our church a lot of times we just we just call it acts people just call it acts a lot for short so when I when I said like when I think of acts though I think of uh, Freedom House as well I mean the level of uh, <coughs> of community collaboration to make what what we just get to be a small piece of possible is is just so freaking amazing to see all of those pieces come together all of our volunteers i mean we have probably anywhere from 15 to 20 residents at a time between both homes um and we've had a lot of people come through there in the last three years and the miracles have been so amazing the stories of of people relapsing and ODs and funerals and the same thing, you know, um, just resonates so strongly with everything you guys are doing there. And up here, uh, Alaska is also known for so much addiction and suicide per capita is a massive issue up here. Um, And uh, man, um, just trying to see the difference that God is doing, like, and it's so encouraging to see him raising up like underdogs of sorts. You know, when you look at the, what the world looks at it, or even some aspects of Christianity looks at what success is, you know, and church growth strategies and all these sorts of things. But it's like, God's like, no, I'm just going to raise up people that the world and even Christianity is going to be like, you know, whatever, and, and see them change the world, you know, and just see, like one one of my one of my close friends now, who helps a little bit uh, with stuff with the brand a little bit, but I serve with him uh, at Freedom House. He went through the program at Freedom House. I oversee discipleship at the homes is my role, uh, and so I got the pleasure of of doing that with him and a few other guys from from our uh, church community with him. His name's Mario, and I don't know if you'll see this or not, but I'll brag on him, brag on Jesus in him, but. But dude, it's just so cool to see where he's come from. I mean, he's, he's, it's just one story, you know, but coming from living for 30 years, you know, with a needle in his arm in the streets of Portland um, and putting his, putting his family through hell and his kids through so much trauma. Um, and, and then coming up here and, and through his journey to having churches, just, you know, you're treating him like he's a piece of crap and wanting nothing to do with him. But, um, seeing God get a hold of his heart. And then man, I just love, there's nothing that gives me more joy than to sit down with folks in community and walk through like just the simple things about God and his word and about recovery. And, and then to see him rock their world, you know? And now today, I mean, he's, we, we did their marriage last year, two years ago. Is it two years ago? A year, year and a half. Year and a half ago. And, I mean, obviously they're, 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 they're still figuring stuff out, but they're growing like crazy. He's on staff with us now at Freedom House and yeah. he helps co co lead and co teach stuff at, at our faith community. And, um, it's just that, that right there is what like the world needs to know, like the glory of God in these stories and yeah. so everything that just keeps us cranking forward uh, and doing what we're trying to do with the apparel and with, uh, um with the bake shop stuff and uh we call it bake shop because someone was like why do you call it bake shop it sounds kind of but uh because like different types of it's gonna expand more than just you know your standard bakery fare of you know cupcakes and donuts it's 
yeah. you know, like to expand it eventually into like your soups, your sandwiches, your, you okay. know, a little bit more. Uh, nice. Two yeah. things come to mind. Um, so we're in Colorado. So bake shop means a totally different thing out yeah. here. That's why I said, right. <laughs> when right. you say, uh, that's why when you guys, I was like, are they saying bake shop or bake shop? Why are we, that could mean a whole other thing out here in Colorado. Right. So, okay, they want to start a bake shop with fireweed. What is going on? <laughs> we're, per we're progressive, man. We're progressive. <laughs> but um, hey, have you guys That's checked funny. out um, Homeboy Industries? Uh, more importantly, connected to them, Homegirl Industries or Homegirl Cafe. Uh -oh. uh, you might want to check them out. They're doing some really cool things. They have a whole bakery. Uh, Homeboy's in LA. They're the largest gang intervention ministry in the world. Father Gregory Boyle, just doing some really rad stuff. So I want to check them out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But in the meantime, you can come to Colorado and check free out. There you go. Yeah. Open <laughs> invitation. Yeah, you guys too. Come for to Alaska, you know, check out Alaska. Okay. Yeah, we Never love been. It. No. Anytime for real. But um, closing out the recording part of this, uh, one, you know, last from each of you, like, what would you, anybody who happens to, we don't have a very large listenership yet. We're still growing, but we want to make an impact of whoever listens. Um, so whoever's out there in YouTube land or podcast land, I hear this, what would be your guys's um, kind of summation, like challenge or encouragement for whoever's tuning in? Ooh. So much wisdom. You know, I think I would say I would I would go back to um, what we've been the the theme of what I think we've talked about today. Keep following God into the places of death and dying and struggle and heartache and despair and darkness, um, because that is the place where God also brings new life. And you don't get the story of new life until you truly go to the places of darkness. So I don't know when this episode will air, but Good Friday is coming up, what, a week from today. Mm -hmm. um, you can't get Easter without first experiencing Good Friday. You can't get to light and new life without first having experienced death and darkness. Um, so I know it can be scary. I know I'm, those places can be heavy scary for me i'm a i'm an enneagram four so i thrive in those places uh but i thrive in them because i love to see what god does in the darkness and i we could do a whole we could do a whole series of episodes on stories of new life and jared you, uh not jared derek uh you talked about that story of new life and that's why you love to do it that's why i also love to do it because of these stories of seeing someone who was dead and dying and lifeless and just nothing happening and now they're in leadership positions now they're like impacting people's lives for something positive like this is cool i want to i want my i want my life to be about that that's god's work so if you're feeling that call that nudge keep moving to those places that's what i would say keep taking a step towards those places mm. yeah you're like shaking the whole couch <laughs> what would you say um I feel like there's so many different angles where I could take I could take it here. Um, I could speak as the loved one. I could speak as the the business owner. I could speak as you know various different voices. But uh, I guess the overall message I would say is keep showing up. Um, you know I think the world needs it, and not just showing up in vain, but to show up to like your true 
self, your true calling. Like, you know, Ryan and I talk about like the drum the, 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 that like beats in you. Um, and what is that thing that God is calling you towards? Uh, not just showing up and going through the motions, but if there's something else that's like brewing under the surface for you, pay attention. Because I think God puts the, that, those, that spirit in you to have that to be bubbling up and to say, okay, I'm going to show up, but I'm also going to stay awake and aware to where and how God is moving. What is that? What is that thing bubbling up? And follow it and follow that energy because it's not in vain and it's not just there because. Yeah, that's sweet. Well, I'm going to wrap up with this and we can keep talking in a second. But thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Choose Recovery Podcast or YouTube channel. Hope this has been a blessing and encouragement to you so much. And thanks for following and spread the word about it. So thanks, guys.